Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Wednesday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Tuesday. Uh, there, well, there's nearly five million of us now. Uh, what will this mean? Uh, the funeral industry is ripe for disruption. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, how lawns might be ruining the environment, having a lawn. And then Marcus's sleeping bag. We go inside Marcus's sleeping bag for some reason. Not sure why. Let's find out. Uh, sorry about the vacuuming. Um, you know, it's the husky just can't stop. But uh, before any of that, uh, another poll... Another bad day for Bridges. Well, according to One News' political reporter last night, Simon's now in what she described as the leadership danger zone. She said it's only the party vote that's giving him a lifeline at the moment. She claims there is low-level office chat around whether he can continue as leader. I think she's being generous when she says low-level. I'd say it'd be pretty high-level by now. No, they don't want to risk looking like Labour did and bouncing around a roller coaster of leaders too many times, but there must surely be, by now, a plan B in the works if Simon keeps trending down. They must be starting to put a date around when to pull the pin. There must be rumblings around who will step in, which leads me to Judith Collins. In News Hub's Read research poll last week, she jumped in the preferred PM stakes to 6.2%. They had Simon Bridges on five. Well, in last night's Colmar Brunton One News poll, Judith and Simon are neck and neck, both on 6% as preferred Prime Minister. Since its last poll, this is Colmar Brunton's, it's a drop for Simon of one point. Judith, though, remained steady. But as I said last time, I don't personally think Judith's the answer. I don't know who is, but I hope National has a decent idea. At least they have an idea by now about what doesn't work. And despite his continual claims that he's confident and comfortable in his leadership, I'm not sure even Simon believes that anymore. But you've got to keep saying it, don't you? It's, it's your mantra. Comfortable. Comfortable. Confident, comfortable, confident. That's that's what he's everywhere he goes. He's probably got it on a on a loop in his car. He drives it comfortable, confident, comfortable, confident. I'm sure we could all benefit from uh, that kind of a uh, mantra. Uh, now uh, we're we're nearly five million strong, New Zealand. What does this mean? Here's Paul Spoonley on that. What's your take on this? What do you put this population growth down to? Um, migration. Yeah, it's that simple. Yes. Um, I don't know when you were born, Larry, but I'm a, I'm a baby boomer, so born in the 1950s. Yeah. You know, all, of our, all of our population growth in the 50s came from births, but our, but our fertility rate has been dropping, but it's been replaced by migration. So the major contributor to the current boom is the number of migrants coming to New Zealand. But it wasn't that long ago we were talking about 4 million. Now we're talking about 5 million. Yes, I know. Well, to get from three to four million, it took us 30 years. But to get from four to five million, which we'll do soon, it's only going to take us 16 years. So it's literally halved the number of years that it's taking to hit that next million. And that's and that's the number of migrants that have been coming to New Zealand, particularly since 2012. How does this compare with the baby boom then? Um, well, the baby boom, during the baby boom years in the 50s and 60s, our fertility rate, which is the number of births per woman, was about 4.5 births per woman. It's now down at 1.7. So that's the difference. And then the other side of that is the migration. So the, the, I, know, I know the numbers are dropping, but the number of migrants coming to New Zealand as permanent residents 
has been very, very high. I would argue it's the highest in the OECD. Except, can we trust these numbers? Uh, because didn't they just uh, decide that the numbers of migrants weren't the number of migrants that they said they were recently? But for all we know, uh, our population's going down, not up. Anyway, uh, I'm not going to stand around and count people. I'm, I'm going to uh, listen to uh, Andrew Dickens talk about how the funeral industry is ripe for disruption. His big thing is he didn't want to waste money on a funeral. He wanted his money spent on great wine and food to celebrate his life rather than on a funeral director hovering over his grieving family and friends and upselling him into a bigger coffin and clipping the ticket left, right and centre. So he said to his friends, I want a DIY funeral. Don't involve the funeral director. Do it yourself. And the question is, that Sue asked herself and her friends asked herself was, is that possible? Yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to be um, cast adrift on a burning raft, uh, sort of Viking slash Game of Thrones style. But apparently that's not legal in New Zealand. Uh, it's something to do with uh, them not wanting charred dead bodies washing up on the beach, uh, you know, down the coast. Which I think, that's a bit nitpicky, isn't it? Um, I wonder what the smell of... of, of Barbecue Glen ZB is. Let's um let's move on quickly uh, to uh, Kerry and the fact that lawns are bad for the environment. Apparently, this kind of finding danger in everything is. It would be it, it is amusing. It is amusing. I know people that have got rid of lawns because they don't want the maintenance. Fair enough. They like the idea of pavings and stones and. You know, Yuckers and succulents and that sort of thing. That's their style. Fine. But I know very few people have got rid of their lawns because they're hazardous to the environment. It can be incredibly relaxing to work on your lawn and garden, to just be able to push the mower and contemplate. It's the sound of summer, for heaven's sake. Cricket in the background, the sound of a lawnmower, it's relaxing, peaceful and gentle. I was speaking to a young couple who um, were looking for a house. They have three young children. And they'd thought they'd found the perfect house, but no lawn. The kids love playing together. How is that bad for their social skills, that you've got siblings who enjoy playing with one another? I just, I just find it bizarre that you can make a case against a humble lawn which brings so much joy to the eye and pleasure to children who get the opportunity to play outside. If, <laughs> if it's harmful for the environment, I don't believe it. I think I'm going to need a few more facts than this, than is offered in the column. To me it sounds like somebody trapped in a tiny apartment with bitter, bitter lawn envy. That's what it sounds like to me. How often would you spend on your lawns? And do you enjoy the time on the mower or behind the mower? We even had a push mower for many years. And, you know, that certainly wasn't a boy job. I enjoyed doing it. I mean, we didn't have acres to mow, so that was all right. But seriously, how, how many people spend time that they begrudge on their lawn? 
And surely we're not all putting chemicals into it. I'm not putting chemicals in. If there are weeds, I pull them out. It's really quite simple. They're pleasing to the eye, pleasing to the soul. And I'm sure they host a whole little ecosystem of crawlies. I just don't want to see them, so I haven't gone digging and looking. No, no, no. I'm okay with the single-use plastic bags being scrapped. That's fine. Water pressure in my shower, I draw a line under that, and I draw a line under digging up the lawn and allowing weeds to grow for the good of the environment. Uh, I'm torn on this. I would love to not have to look after my lawn because I've got a lot of it, and I hate it. Um, It's pretty dead at the moment, so that's good. Um, But... Yeah, it certainly seems like everything is bad for the environment these days. It's, a, it's like how everything gives you cancer. Um, you can't do anything without causing the end of the world. Uh, you, you might just want to snuggle down in your sleeping bag. Maybe not. Here's a question. Would you lend your sleeping bag? I have. But I didn't feel that good about it. My partner, she's very lendy. Very lendy. She'd lend anything. I'm thinking, oh, hang about. Sleeping bag. Very lendy. Very glendy. Anyway, um, and that's good. I mean, it's it's to, it, it just takes me a while to get there sometimes. Sleeping bag. It's like my own private sanctuary. Yeah, it, the, the, the sleeping bags are funny, aren't they? Because um, you can wash sheets. It's hard, much harder to wash a sleeping bag. You tend to just air, air them out, don't you? Um, I have, and I've done some pretty disgusting stuff in sleeping bags, I've got to say, personally. Um, I'm just trying to think where that sleeping bag is now and who's using it. I'm going to stop thinking that now. I'm starting to feel a bit sick. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, that has been News Talk ZB for Wednesday. I hope I didn't make you feel sick. Um, that's really... That's, that's, that's my, uh, it's a low bar, but that's what I'm going for. It, by the end of the podcast, I just don't want you to feel sick. And I hope I can achieve that for you when I see you back here again tomorrow.